When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Post Questionnaire. 35 questions giving us insight into what makes creative people tick. Welcome back or welcome for the first time to the Post Questionnaire. Today, Caroline and I speak with Miranda Penn Turin, who's a freelance photographer, a visionary photographer whose photographs are just epic. She strives for the epic. That's what she's interested in. And she's been photographing people all over the world for a long time. She's based in New York and in Los Angeles. And we talked to her on Zoom, of course, during the pandemic from her home in L.A. while we were based on the East Coast. She's a graduate of the University of Pennsylvania, where she majored in creative writing, but started photographing and then assisted other photographers. She still believes that assisting photographers is the best way to get trained, and she has an amazing crew. My friend Philip Morrison actually introduced me, who is her stylist, and they together have produced some of the most stunning images that I know. Miranda also works with Voices for Freedom, which is a humanitarian organization committed to abolishing human trafficking all over the world. And her photographs of the Dalai Lama and Archbishop Desmond Tutu provide the cover art for the Book of Joy, which you should really check out. It was a memorable experience for her, and I think she'll mention it, and it's a really moving photograph. Miranda's on Instagram at Miranda Panturin. She's also on Facebook under Miranda Panturin. And we are, of course, at post.questionnaire on Instagram, Caroline Weber 2020 on Instagram, Uli NYC on Instagram, and the show is at Ulrich Bear on YouTube. Please follow the channel on YouTube, like the show on Spotify and Apple, etc., because it really makes a difference for others to find it. We're not on TikTok yet, but never know what's going to come next. Thanks for listening. So, uh, Miranda Panturum, we're so happy to get you joining us from Los Angeles on Zoom today. First of all, welcome to our show. It's my pleasure. And, and I just wanted to say, so... Um, you know, I met you through a mutual friend, Philip Morrison, who is your muse, as you say. And what I just said, I wanted our listeners to hear this, um, who can also find you, of course, on Instagram and find your website, that your work is so, it's in one image, there's such, um, there's like a narrative going on. It's dramatic, it's passionate. You're sort of able to condense into one image an entire story. So I love looking at the pictures. And the other reason why we wanted to have you on the show is because I know you've been active in Voices for Freedom in a kind of anti-slavery charity. So we really love people who are creative and pursue their passion and also want to change the world. That's kind of the point of this whole show. So That's amazing. So um, I think we'll, um, we'll have um, Caroline start us and then like, let's just jump into this conversation that Post popularized 100 years ago. Fantastic. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay. Uh, 
Question number one, what is your idea of perfect happiness? Honestly, for me, it's, it's um, what I do. I love what I do. And getting to do what I do every day, that's my idea of perfect happiness. So I'm really, I'm grateful. I'm blessed, you know, having blundered into the, the decisions I made. I'm very, very happy with them. And I took you once on set and it was like being on a movie set and we were just photographing, I think, an editorial and it was just so much energy from everybody, your whole team, which I really love this atmosphere that everybody is working towards something and it only becomes a vision if everybody's pulling it together so that you can feel that. And that's essential. You know, the people that you have around you, you choose people, you know, what we're doing is not rocket science. Nobody's dying. So you can make choices based on, you know, people's, not just people's skills, but people's kindness and cooperation. And all of those things are essential. Enthusiasm. You know, you don't want to have some, somebody with a big attitude on your set. So if everybody's there, you know, thrilled to be there and excited about what we're creating, that's perfect. Uh, Miranda, what's your greatest fear? Um... Honestly, I, uh, for me, going blind, mm. I would, I would, I couldn't, I couldn't go on. Yeah. And I, you know, all honor and, and, you know, power to the people, to the blind people in the world who have, you know, just, uh, don't even, it just rolls off their back. Good for them. That's amazing. Yeah. But I just, I don't think I could do it because vision is so important to me. Of course. Uh, what is the trait you most deplore in yourself? Um, honestly, uh, uh, I think I'm, I'm very hard on myself. So I think that, you know, probably, yeah. Um, I ch also, I charm other people's lives. <laughs> so that doing that, you know, telling myself beautiful stories about other people's lives it gets a little boring. Oh, I that sounded like such a non-deplorable quality to me. But um, maybe if you're just the one doing it all the time, it's a different yeah. different feeling. But does that the charming other people's lives is does that influence the way you work, what you do in any way? Does that come into play or not even? Not really. No, no. It's just you know. I think everyone we're basically at, at the, we're all on the same level. And, you know, when you, you put somebody up on a pedestal, it just shifts the balance of everything. I see. It doesn't, yes. it doesn't really serve any purpose. So it's just a little, you know, internal thing that sure. I do. Sure. Yeah. Um, what trait you, do you most deplore in other people? Um, <laughs> well, Right off the bat, <laughs> I would say loud eating, but <laughs> actually uh, cruelty. I'd say the worst is, is um, the cruelty that we do to each other on every level. That's, I think that's the worst thing of all. Which living person do you most admire? Um, there are a lot, but... Um, of people I'd met, uh, I'd have to say Desmond Tutu. He is just an unbelievable 
not just a survivor of, you know, what he went through in, during apartheid and the things that he saw and experienced himself and the, the losses that he experienced. And yet his philosophy is forgiveness. Mm. So, you know, I just have to really, I, I, I so admire him. I just think he's, you know, incredible. In what context uh, were you able to meet him? Well, we, um, I went to India five years ago to photograph the, um, the cover for the Book of Joy, which was a five-day conversation between him and the Dalai Lama and their best friends and just their, the way they adore each other and the way they relate to each other is so um, infectious and, and just engaging and their, um, their uh, you know, these two Nobel laureates, there's, they, they don't have any peers really, the right. Pope, who else? Right. And, and just to see them together was an incredible, we got to spend 10 days with them. Wow. And just, you know, as this long extended period and the Dalai Lama made sure that everyone had lunch with them in his private dining room. So we all got to have lunch with Desmond Tutu and the Dalai Lama, like 12 of us at a time. So it was this really miraculous experience. And he, Desmond Tutu is so much fun to photograph because he's just <laughs> gleeful about being there, the Dalai Lama does not like being photographed. He, he really doesn't like to be so much the center of attention, believe it or not. Anytime he was on the little set that I built there, he would do like two minutes by himself at the most, and then he'd drag people in because he knows that everybody wants to have their picture taken with him. So he'd start calling people over, and, you know, I have all these pictures of him with other people. And also, you know, people by himself, but... Um, one of those two, whoever's barking, my dog could come in and bark at any minute. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Yeah, I have four dogs. And oh, that's should... amazing. <laughs> that's fantastic. Sorry. Have... Which, one, which one is this, Carrie? Which dog is this? Which one is this? Oh, barking? Who, now three of the four of them are involved. So, but, but Miranda, I'm sorry, they're barking so loudly on my end, I couldn't hear about your animals. Uh, you said you have a cat and a dog? Uh, no, no, just a dog. I have a big, massive Catahoula hound who I'm oh, crazy. Oh, how cool. A big rescue. Yeah, he's amazing. Oh, yeah, mine are all rescues, too. The, yeah. uh, some of my, uh, two of my closest friends are, are obsessed with Catahoula hounds and have never had them. And it's great you can get them from rescue, too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. He was, he was, um, fantastic. I, I found him on pet finder and just fell in love with his picture and <laughs> drove to Arizona to get him. And, nice. and he's amazing. He's <laughs> a amazing. My yeah. only of my four, all our rescues, but only one of them did I have that experience of falling in love with her picture on Instagram. And oddly enough, and I don't mean this to sound flip or offending anybody's uh, religious sensibilities, but her eyes looked so wise and kind. She Aww. looked kind of like a, a sort of a bodhisattva. She's like a little toothless chihuahua who's amazing and has a limp. And, you know, but there was something about her eyes that just, um, that made me feel like she had to be in my life. And I wouldn't necessarily know that just from one photo of a dog, you could really see into their soul but yeah the fact that he was a professional photographer <laughs> photo is uh how old is he now four and a half okay yeah cool he's a he's a 
He's a handful. <laughs> Miranda, what is your greatest extravagance? Anytime I do uh, an editorial, the sky's the limit. I'll spend anything on it. And it does feel very extravagant at the time, but it's always worth it. You know, I, I, I really, I just like, it's woo, no holds barred when Great. it comes to that. Yeah, for sure. If it's a location or a car or, you know, fire eaters or whatever it needs to be, <laughs> bring them on in. <laughs> what is your current state of mind? Um, honestly, I'm fired up. I feel great. I'm really excited. I feel like this has been a reset for everyone. Yeah. And I'm super hopeful. I feel like when the world opens up again, it's going to open up with a roar. And we are all just building up this enormous positive head of steam right now. I really think that when the time comes that we're all just going there. I feel like there's going to be a renaissance, you know, it's really like there's been this moment where we've all been able to take a step back and sort of let things percolate. Mm -hmm. So I think things are percolating like mad right now. Yeah. And yeah. It's amazing. Oh, that's wonderful to hear. I think when I, if I get discouraged anytime in the next few weeks or months, I'm going to have to listen to this part of our interview again to remind myself of the, the, the hope you're and the possibility that on a different note, what do you consider the most overrated virtue? Um, I think that, uh, honestly, I, I, and I'm all for respecting people a hundred percent. So please don't take this the wrong way. But I think that the policing of language has gone a little overboard. Mm. And um, I think that if people have a preference towards the way they want to be addressed, that sharing that is a hundred percent, give it to me. And that's what I'll do. But um, throwing a net over the, the planet and saying, you know, now everyone needs to, you know, I'm not saying this correctly. I just think it's really important case by case to be respectful of people, but to also be respectful of everyone's right to express themselves. Mm -hmm. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, uh, it's something I think about a lot. And actually, I host another podcast called Think About It. So I think I've done 70 episodes on wow. free speech and whether there's a limit to all of any of it or whether actually it's sort of these limits impose restrictions in the wrong way or the right way. So it's, I'm really interested in this topic. So mm -hmm. um, yeah. on what occasion do you lie? <laughs> well, my mother bred it into, into me, like, you know, with a whip, basically not to lie. So I'm a terrible liar. Oh. She, she literally, but anyway, um, if I'm out with a friend and what they're wearing is ghastly, I'll tell them they look amazing. That's <laughs> for sure. <laughs> but otherwise I'm really, really bad at it. Mm. Yeah. I have tells. Yeah. Too many tells. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you most dislike about your appearance? I would love to be tall. I am not tall. I'm 5'4". Mm. I would love to have like another six inches and I'd love to have it all be legs. <laughs> Just six inches more legs. 
That'd be good. You know, I practice, um, I practice really, really badly Shaolin Kung Fu. I'm very, very, very bad at it. That's the point of doing it. But my Shifu is the tallest person I know, but he is physically not that tall. But he said, it is how how tall you are on the inside. That's beautiful. He has that kind of confidence that he walks into a room and you think, wow. And he's not, he's not, (laughs) in terms of measurement, he's not that tall. But you think, wow, I've never met anybody that great. So Amazing. There may be a help, yeah. Maybe Um, Kung Fu is my next thing. Which living person do you most despise? I think everybody has the same answer to that right now, right? There's about three possible answers we've heard a lot. <laughs> a yes, um, it's, our, it's our president. Yeah. Absolutely. Gotten that quite a bit. Yeah. His destructive influences have been, you know, insane. And I'm just, you know, crossing everything for November. Yes. All right. These next two questions are gendered uh, because the questionnaire is almost 150 years old. Uh, So just (laughs) specifying that ahead of time, what is the quality you most like in a man? Um, Right now, the grown-up answer is kindness. Hmm. I think that being kind, if we're talking about a partner, kindness, Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. For sure. You know, if it's, yeah. And what yeah. is the quality you most like in a woman? Empathy. Um, it's very close to kindness, yeah. <laughs> but it's really, you know, understanding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, an empathetic soul. Which words or phrases do you most overuse? Brilliant. I don't think everything can be brilliant, <laughs> and yet it's out of my mouth all the time. So that's really yeah. we have a, a friend. A friend of mine who did this podcast is a, an interior designer and architect called Robert Couturier, and he told us that the phrase he most overuses is "I love it." And, <laughs> and he said, even if he hates it, he says, "I love it." And then I had yeah. to go back through all the times when I showed him like a chair that I was buying <laughs> or a new like. Or a dress, or because I so admire and appreciate his sensibility, and all the times he said he loved it, I realized probably he was being nice and perhaps not necessarily truthful. Brilliant, yeah. Um, What or who is the greatest love of your life? Um, my amazing, wonderful, patient husband. I would have to say he's the love of my life. He's incredible. Really just a superstar. I'm nuts about him. And I'm super grateful because we've been stuck together for solid months and months now. And it's all good. So, yeah. That is really nice. Yeah. So you and LA, you've been in in Los Angeles together the whole, doing this whole pandemic. Through the whole pandemic. Usually I would be traveling at this point in the year. I would have at least been on at least a half a dozen trips. So it's very interesting, you know, to have had this enforced stillness together, mm-hmm. but we're good. That's great. It's nice. Yeah. That's great. I think a lot of people are not, maybe not on this podcast, but at least a lot of people I, I talk to just as friends, um, are not reporting that, that they're finding that their marriage or their significant, their relationship with their significant other required a little more distance than a lot of us are getting right now. So 
Yeah, it's really nice to hear. Distance is amazing. I love distance. You know, it's true. Absence does make the heart grow fonder, but this is fine. Luckily, we live on a big piece of property and we can, you know, drift off to our own corners. And so it's great, but, you know, we don't really require a lot of distance. So it's nice. When and where were you happiest? Oh, God. Um, when I'm always happy, I'm a happy person. I'm, you know, right now I'm happy. Um, where, uh, you know, I've loved so many places. So, you know, it's, it's very hard to like pinpoint where I was happiest because I've been, you know, happy New Orleans and Reykjavik and, and Kigali and, you know, I mean, so many so many opportunities to really, you know, when you do what you love, yeah. it's good wherever you are. Which talent would you most like to have? Ooh, <laughs> I would love, I would love to be a wonderful horsewoman. I'd love to be able to just get on any horse and ride like a maniac and jump fences and like they do in the movies. I, I've never been, I've never gotten beyond a canter, but if I could, I would love to be able to do that. Right, can you ride about where you are? It, like can where I, you are in LA, can you ride? Is, there are horses that I can access, <laughs> yeah. but I'm not good. I'm, I'm bad. I'm full on bad, bad rider. So I never really get to do the thing that I'm imagining that I, you know, want to do if I were ever on a horse like that you know, you become one with the animal and like <laughs> Russell Crowe, you're riding off across the moors. That, I've never had that experience. Someday, maybe. Someday. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, if you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be? Hmm. I don't know. Um... I, 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 I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I, I don't have an answer for that one. <laughs> I can Maybe it's a, a previous answer to ride horses. Like, well, yes. like, a, yeah. you know, there's a talent you can acquire. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do yeah. you consider great? What do you consider your greatest achievement? Um, I think doing what I do, um, and, and persevering and keep keeping on doing it in um, a, a industry that's very male balanced and doing it successfully for over 30 years. It's that just, that's my dog. Yay. He's proud too. Yeah. He's got a, yeah, he's got a, he's got a great big voice. Yeah. Um, yeah. I want to, Shush. I just would like to continue to do what I do and die like Abaddon with a camera in my hand. That'd that'd be fantastic. He died with a camera in his hand. He was working the Republican convention in um oh, 2002, I think. I think, and died. 
working the convention. His last photographs appeared in uh, the New York Times Magazine. And they wow. were portraits, you know, those beautiful, just ugly light, white backdrop things that he was doing towards the end of his career that were gorgeous, you know, just yeah. character studies of uh, conventioneers. Huh. But I like, I like that you said that, actually, because in photography, I mean, of course, they're great women photographers sort of going back all the way to the history, but it's still strangely a male profession and field. And you've been doing it so successfully and put your vision in there and have brought so many people on your teams along. I think that's really worth pointing out that it's because I teach photography at NYU and it's very odd that you would think, why in the world would this field be in any way not be totally open? So it's, it's great you've been able to do this and you, you continue to do this. I think it is a real achievement for a lot of other people as well to see. Um, and it's another one of these strange things because Caroline has written a lot. You've written a book on Queen of Fashion, Marie Antoinette, and this idea of women in relation to fashion and even the fashion industry is male dominated, which is strange because you think fashion, women, and then you realize people who have power and control access. So it's great that you're doing this. I really, I really appreciate this answer. Thank you. If you were to die and come back as another person or a thing, who or what would that new incarnation be? A thing. <laughs> I, if I were to come back as another person, I think I would have to come back as a a fabulous gay male creative director. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> that's my fantasy, honestly. Because really? I know so many of them, and like I said, I charm their lives. And yeah, uh, see. I think I actually am a gay man. My husband has no idea. <laughs> <laughs> We like this. We actually, Miranda, we actually recorded an episode for Pride Week with two very fabulous drag queens, Pietra Parker and Miss Cookie Dough, who are just wonderful and amazing. And it was so warm and charming and sweet. So in some ways, it's a nice match that saying you may be a big. Um, so one of the questions is, so this is the question, how would you come back maybe as one of them? Yes, I love that. Absolutely. That sounds really fun. <laughs> Where would you most like to live? <sighs> Again, I love so many places. It's very, very hard to pick. A lot of the places that I haven't visited yet, I feel like a very strong affinity for. Like I've never been to Scotland mm -hmm. and I'm dying to go to Scotland. I've been to Italy, but I haven't been to the, you know, the outskirts. I, I'd love to go to Sardinia, you know, and really like, you know, explore, you know, the further reaches, um, I've never been to Greece. So I feel like, you know, I, I would love to find out first before I choose where I'm going to settle down. But, you know, I love, I love Tokyo. I love the big island. I, I mean, there's so many places that you could settle and be overjoyed. Yeah. Yeah. So I would have a hard time picking. What is your most treasured possession? Hmm. Uh, you know, my mother was a terrible, terrible photographer. And she would like put her thumb over the lens or cut people <laughs> off right here. And she made 
throughout my life, all of these photo albums of those pictures. So <laughs> I have like probably 20 photo albums of my mom's photos of the family, which are just <laughs> laughably horrible. That's, those are my most prized possessions. Aww. <laughs> um, I think um, you're next, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. What do you regard as the lowest depth of misery? Um, did you ever read The Orphan Master's Son? No. no. It's an amazing book. Um, uh, it's a, a story that is set in North Korea. And there are scenes in that book of torture that are just excruciating. That, I would think, is the lowest depths of depth of misery. And having experienced and met former slaves, current slaves and former slaves firsthand, um, I can't imagine anything worse than being owned and being at the mercy of somebody else's whims. Again, human cruelty, the worst. How did you get involved in this um, this organization, Voices for Freedom, that combats, which I was stunned to discover. I've read about this in the past, but there's more slaves today in the world than there had been in the past. It's really hard 40 to- 40 million, 40 million slaves currently. Yes, it's actually down 3 million since I last checked. So good work is being done and it is chipping away at the numbers, but the numbers are staggering. Hmm. So, um, what happened was my friend Peggy Callahan, who hired me to work on the Book of Joy with her, in that same conversation said, oh, by the way, after we go to Dharamsala, we're going to stop over in Delhi and then we're going to go to Varanasi where we work out in the fields freeing slaves. Would you like to come? <laughs> and, and I said, hell yeah. And that was 2015, and I've been back five times since. And we'll see if we're going to go this year. I hope so. Um, but I will go every time they ask me. It's, a, you know, an honor to work with them. And, and they are just constantly, constantly in the process of freeing more people. And it's amazing. You can't believe that people don't understand that they have human rights. So being part of the process of, of, you know, showing people what their rights are. And then the incredible empowering moment that happens there and how they transform their lives from there on is just an incredible thing to witness. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. So we'll refer people also to the, the organization and the website. It's so great that you're bringing this to people's um, awareness, I think, because it really did something we I mean, honestly, I would miss, I wouldn't really, you wouldn't really know about this. That just till they no. no, you, when we think of slavery here in the United States, we think of the civil war right. and our own shameful history, but there is slavery happening right now here in the United States, there are slaves. So you just have to be really, you know, aware and open to the, the truth. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it takes a lot of vigilance, but there are a lot of organizations now combating slavery all over the world. So we're one of them. 
Rhonda, what's your favorite occupation? My favorite occupation? Um, like if I weren't to, if I were to be something besides a photographer? Yeah, probably. Yeah. You may choose a photographer again, but <laughs> there's something else. Well, I do love shooting, but um, if I were going to be anything else other than a photographer director, I think I'd want to uh, be a pastry chef. <laughs> I, am, I am a ferocious baker. I'll have to bake for you. <laughs> wow, really? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I know I love, love, love to bake. I love, you know, I'm very bad at math, but this is the one place in my life where I honor how important math is to pastry. It's, it's all math and science and you just have to, you know, follow the formulas and you end up with, you know, miraculous, beautiful things. And I love, I love eating. So there's all kinds of, all kinds of pluses to it. Have you been baking more than usual during uh, during the pandemic? Or I feel like everyone's learning to people who don't already bake are learning to bake bread, all that kind oh, of yeah. thing. Have you yeah. been getting a little creative, or what are you making nowadays? For the first two months, I was it was a free for all. I was making everything, <laughs> you know, beautiful cakes and pommiers and souffles and blah blah blah. And then I had to rein it in because there wasn't room in here for the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> So then I started sort of doing like, you know, what's Nigella Lawson got for chicken thighs and that kind of thing and, and going a little bit more healthy and, you know, thinking dinner rather than dessert. So I've been doing a lot of, yeah, finding new recipes and, and playing a lot, but I'm ready for restaurants to be open again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Yeah. Um, what is your most marked characteristic? What you think people notice about you uh, the first or the most often? Uh, physically? I think it can be either. Physically or your personality. Um, I think it's probably my hair. <laughs> I mean, Which is physical and personality. It's actually kind of small. <laughs> but, yeah, this is my... Uh, this is kind of my um, trademark, but in terms of who I am, um, I'm a very devoted friend. Mm. I think that's sort of, yeah. Yeah, that's nice, yeah. Yeah, very, very passionate about my friendships. Um, I'm sorry, Uli, where are we? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm trying to read these questions on my phone. Um, to the next question, yeah, 26. Oh, yeah. Uh, what do, oh yes. All right. What do you most value in your friends? Oh, huh. nice segue. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. Adventurousness, uh, sense of humor and empathy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. nice. Who are your favorite writers? Oh, that's a long list. Number one is always Martin Amos. I love <laughs> adore him. He, I just think he's, he is miraculous. Um, whether he's writing, you know, if it's an essay or a, a memoir or one of his brilliant novels, I just think he's incredible. Mm -hmm. um, I love Donna Tartt. I yeah. love Philip Pullman. I love Philip Pullman. Um, Margaret Atwood. Yeah. Um, did you read The Testaments, her, her sequel to A Handmaid's Tale? Oh, Not yet, no. I'm saving it, actually. It's, for like oh, it's really, it's very mind-opening. I'm very, very... Yeah, it's an eye opener. Um, I love Dave Eggers. 
Yeah. Um, I love E.B. White. I love E.B. White. Uh, yeah. um, you, I actually just recently, uh, a friend of mine mentioned that they had gotten Charlotte's Web on Audible and it's E.B. White <gasps> reading it. Yeah. Wow. Like, oh, my God, I have to. So I got it and I listened to him reading it. Was, it was amazing. Um, Nabokov, I love Vladimir Nabokov. He's, you know, incredible. Yeah. Um, Lolita has in and out been my favorite book for most of my adult life. Um, I love Tana French. Do you guys know her? She's a, an incredible um, Irish mystery writer, but um, her yeah. books are really just complex. And she's a wonderful, wonderful writer. Um, I would, up until recently, have included Salman Rushdie in this list, yeah. but I just recently read Golden House. Yeah. Um, and it just was really rambling. <laughs> so it kind of, it kind of took the, the the bloom off that particular rose. I read it because a friend of mine is actually a character in the book. Oh. So that was kind of fun. But um, yeah, they're they're friends with, with um, Salman Rushdie. So I guess he just kind of, you know, does a little cherry picking here and there amongst his friends. Yeah. But, um, were the people who were characters in his book? Yeah. They were who yeah. they were. Who they were. Yeah, since they're in the book, you're not revealing a state secret. Well, no, their names aren't in the book, but... Um, I see. Oh, okay. Who um, Angela McCluskey is. She's a singer from the... She, she was very popular in the, the 90s. She's still a singer, and she's married to an incredible composer, Paul Cantillon. And they're both characters in the book. Oh, my wow. God. Yes, I've, right. I've actually seen Angela... And she used to perform down in the village for quite a while. Actually, she has a show. Yeah. Paul and she, Paul and Angela did this show in some kind of cabaret style thing in the Lower East Side. And for That's some awesome. reason, a friend of mine and I, we did a salon once where we all recited some poetry and Angela actually sang. So I actually know <laughs> she's a really remarkable person. She's a... Um, and she somehow has this kind of, she's um, I, Scottish. Or, Scottish. Scottish, and she has this kind of beautiful voice, and she has this cabaret act with her husband, who's a genius. They're both he is a, actually, yeah. that's, I didn't know, so I will actually now go and read the Rushdie novels. <laughs> just for, have to, um, for Angela, yes. They're right now, Paul and Angela are isolated together on um, Nichols Canyon, and she's doing a podcast. So oh, I'll really? have to send you a link to their podcast because okay. they are hysterical. Yeah, yeah, no, Carrie, you will love them. So Angela McCluskey and, and Paul Cantillon, they sort of work together. They are a married couple, really wonderful energy, but she's just a remarkable kind of larger-than-life persona, just an incredible... She is. Paul, Paul as well, and he's yeah. a multi-mentalist, and he uh, is a composer, um, does uh, a lot of um, scores, a lot of cinema. Like, he mm -hmm. did the soundtrack to The Diving Bell and the Butterfly... Oh, wow. Um, yeah, he's amazing. Yeah. And now they're characters in your not favorite Salman Rushdie novel. <laughs> not favorite. I love the satanic verses, though. I love yeah. the Morris Me last too. Yeah. 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 It's sometimes, I think, when you love a book so much, I mean, I even, I don't feel this way maybe as much about Nabokov because his books just stayed so good to the end, but, like, Philip Roth is another one where when he was great, he was so great, and then... For me, at least, some of the pleasure started to fade over time. I don't know. So yes, it's hard true. to keep up that level of genius. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, 
It must yeah. be. It must uh, be. Martin, Martin Amos seems to be doing it. Yeah, he does. Oh, God. Did you read yeah. The Zone of Interest? Yes. Oh, my God, that book. Yeah. Yeah, no, and he's, yeah, and you're right. He's not somebody who's fallen short of his own path, you know, the information or the Rachel, like all oh, the books that the early. Yeah. Oh, that oh first paragraph, the first paragraph of that book was the one of the most bits like, you know, the beginning of the beginning of um, Lolita. So it's so perfectly, beautifully crafted, crafted yeah. that first page. Yeah. Gorgeous. Yeah. Who's, who's your hero of fiction? So an imagined character. Well, um, for me, it's hard to pick one, but it's pretty much any tomboy. So <laughs> like, like an Arya Stark, that's my hero, you know? So the, yeah. the little girl who's like swinging from the vines through the trees, that girl, uh, you know, Rima the Bird Girl or Arya or, you know, who, whatever girl is out there, the Lucy in um, C.S. Lewis, you know, the one who's adventuring. Yeah. Yeah. When you, when you first said Lucy, I was thinking of Charlie Brown. And oh, <laughs> I was trying to remember, she used to hold the football for him, but right. I couldn't remember her other tomboyish characteristics. <laughs> but um, yeah, Lucy, Lucy in... in uh, it's the Pevensies, yeah. right? Yeah. Lucy Pevensies. That's right. The Lion yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, she was... Um, she was that that book yeah, also was amazing. Mean, you know, I love I love George R. R. Martin. Whether or not we're ever going to see the end of this story, who knows? But I love that character, Arya. I think she's you know everybody loves her. She's amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Brienne, all yeah. the the girls. Yeah, so yeah, Brienne. I think I even like a little better somehow. She's amazing. Yeah, her just her sense. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what? What did you say? A sense of honor, Brian's sense of yes. honor. Yeah, exactly. That kind of commitment, unwavering yeah. commitment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Really and yeah, and to be a woman embodying such a stereotypically male set of virtues, you know, that mm -hmm. kind of knightly honor that, that she could embody. It, to me, that was just one of the things that was so genius about Game of Thrones was giving her that quality. Um, which historical figure do you most identify with? Um, I... I have a hard time with that one because, you know, there are, there are so many. Um, hmm. I, I, uh, I'm, I'm going to give this one a pass, honestly. I mean, you know, I could lean in a lot of different directions, but um, I don't think I have a strong enough, you know, specific connection to anyone in particular. Like my mom was a historian. She had, she was a, a, a tutor kind of, expert so Elizabeth oh, wow. you know definitely yeah. was a character that that has you know been sort of in my life as a as an influence it you know her strength and her you know her capacity to, to rule a country you know in in a time when you know there really weren't female rulers it was you know and and the the things that she did for her country yeah. the progress that she created was was amazing and the country after her when it went you know like if you read uh you know elizabethan poetry or or plays or whatever and then you go into the jacobean poetry and plays it's so much darker like the world was diminished because she was gone right that is amazing to me whether or not i identify with her 
I don't know, but I I think she, you know, it, she was an, an incredible influence on the world. Yeah. Well, and just given your answer about tomboys too, you know, she was somebody and Brienne and Arya Stark, like women who refused to be limited by really restrictive gender norms and gender roles. She's, she's one of the greats for that too, obviously. So interesting that you grew up with her with your, so was your mother, was, was your mother's specialty kind of Elizabeth or? No, she was actually, um, she was an actress before, um, she had us and then she became a teacher and she taught, um, theater and, um, like writing for theater and television and, you know, that kind of thing. And, and, uh, it was a school called, Oh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna remember the name of her school, but anyway, it was a, it was some, you know, in Boston, um, Mm -hmm like a, a theater school. I have it on a t-shirt somewhere back in a room. <laughs> Leland Powers. That was it. The Leland Powers school. Oh, and, okay. she there, and then she went back and taught there. She went to New York as a young woman and was in theater and uh, mostly off Broadway in a couple of movies. And, um, and she came back to Boston um, to help her mom take care of her dad as he was as he was dying. And then she met my father and decided that she was going to devote her life to being a mom, which is something that people did in the 50s and 60s. Sure. Yeah. And I'm, I'm grateful that she chose to do it. But, you know, I, you know, I don't I, I don't think I could make that decision. Who are your heroes in real life? Um, oh, there were a lot of them. Um, I love uh, Chivo Lubinsky, the great cinematographer who did um, The Revenant. He's done a ton of movies. He did one of my favorites, A Little Princess. Have you ever seen? It came out in like, I don't know, the 90s. Yeah. Beautiful, gorgeous version of A Little Princess. Amazing. Um, he did Birdman. Um He's he is um, you know always collaborating uh, with Inari too, and uh, I love um, Annie. I love Annie Leibovitz. I think she is you know a force of nature and and uh, you know uh, an example. She she blazed the trail that we all walk now. So you know, super super grateful for mm-hmm. Annie. Um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I think she's amazing. I love Bernie. Um, Peggy, the woman that I work with, who's, you know, done so much for for human trafficking and slavery in the world. Against it, I should say. Um, Jacques Cousteau. (laughs) I love love all the naturalists, the people that are, are, you know, determined to preserve what we have. Yeah. What are your favorite names? If I had ever had a little girl, I think I would have named her Sophie because that was my grandmother's name and I always loved the name, but I ne- it was never even a glimmer in my mind having a child. So that's kind of a non-starter. But um, 
for boys, I love the sort of um, Celtic, you know, the Liams and and Ians and Collins and Columns. I, I love those names. They're very, um, feel like, you know, you're in a story. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes, that's right. Um, what is it that you most dislike? Um, cruelty. I'd have to say cruelty. Um, but if that's redundant, um, what, I mean, it's very easy to go in this direction and say social media, but (laughs) if I'm going to avoid that, I have to say it's the influence that, that has had on our visual content, that there's been a dumbing down and a DIY. I appreciate everybody's DIY efforts. Those are awesome. But it's resulted in this, this override of um, skill and talent and quality. And that that's, you know, if I'm going to go, you know, high road, man's cruelty to man, low road, our aesthetic, this aesthetic moment, which is not pretty. Those are my two pillars. I wonder whether not to be too philosophical, there's a connection in the kind of simplification and the dearth of imagination that sort of if images become reduced to cliches, if people just reproduce something that they don't imagine for themselves, but they actually just reproduce something that plays well, that is something to do with the reduction of humanity of life to just cliches and people seeing only stereotypes. So the idea, I think, Carrie, I, you know this better, but I think Baudelaire had this huge obsession with cliche and this kind of idea of a preformed image that yeah. this is actually that prevents you from thinking because you think you're thinking, but you're actually just inhabiting forms. And sort of in some ways, I think there's a connection between cruelty or this failure to see life as lived and the, what you're saying, this stupidity of just repeating cliches, which you, I think... And in French, I think the original idea of cliche is like a stencil or something like that, right? Like a, like a, an image that has been reproduced. Right. Yeah, and a snapshot also is still a, called a cliche. Yeah, Proust had that same um, antipathy. And, you know, in, in his case, he repeatedly pointed out that a cliche is just a failure of the imagination. So I think that that's also, you know, that a lack of empathy is also, which is, you know, one of the facets or complements within E cruelty, um, that kind of failure of um, the empathic imagination that we see in the kind of, you know, cruelty of, of political leaders around the world and uh, other people who abuse their power. And that same failure of imagination maybe in these kind of, as you say, dumbed down images that just keep getting recycled over and over with no, craft, no thought, no individual spark. I don't know. No, I think that's, I think that's very, you know, very much to the point that, that, um, you know, there, I feel like, and I feel like it's, it's, um, it hasn't been, I, I, I'm hoping anyway, like there was a moment around 2005 when everything went digital, film was no longer, you know, the the only medium that we had 
and nobody knew what to do with it. So for about a year and a half, everything was very ugly. And it was just like magazines, magazine covers, everything just looked like shit for like a year and a half. And then people suddenly figured out like Paolo Roberti went, oh, okay. So if I change my lighting this way and maybe, you know, do this with a digital file, it will look like my work. And then everything just kind of jump started again. Um, but I feel like this is that moment all over again where everybody has gone down to this tiny, like one inch by one inch image. And that's what you have to represent art. It's just, it's incredible. I mean, the things that, that I grew up with anyway, like album art is gone. There are these, these things that were once iconic that are now off the table. They don't exist anymore um, because of this, you know, amazing new world of digital content that is bringing us so much, but also taking, you know, our analog, the beauty of our analog content. So, you know, it's the scales. Hopefully though, this little moment of ugliness is going to pass. Yeah. Well, and I, I'm, I'm encouraged by you reminding us that we've seen something similar to this just 15 years ago and we came through it. So yeah. in that sense, uh, yeah, there's once again, you're giving us some cause for hope. What is your greatest regret? So um, in the eighties, uh, everyone, every photographer went to Milan and got their tears. Everybody went to the major magazines and it just was like a beautiful magical route at the time where you went, you got your tears and you came back to the U S with this beautiful portfolio. We had physical portfolios back then with actual <laughs> magazine tears in them. And, uh, and it was just a ritual. Everybody did it and I didn't do it. I stayed in New York and continued to work. And I still wish that I had gone. I mean, of course I've been to Milan since then, but uh, it was, I'm sure a, a really amazing time to be there. And I wish that I had done that. What was driving that move? Was it the kind of Armani moment or why were people going to, to Milan then? Because that was the, the real, you know, the most beautiful magazines were in coming out of Milan. And still, if you go there and, and are, you know, are there to see publications, they still have, you know, there's still a lot of, um, you know, power in those publications, but you would, you'd go to get your tears from Womo Vogue or Vogue Italia. And, mm -hmm. you know, there were lots of publications coming out that, you know, at the time there were, there were just tons of beautiful art magazines coming out of Milan. So you had this opportunity to get all this work published and, you know, there were even, you know, editorials at the time they throw you a little a little budget for it so you could go and be working with the best hairstyles and the best models and you know all this wonderful stuff and uh i just had work so i kept working right rhinestone um the next question is um how would you like to die 
as I said before, I, I want to die like Avedon. I want to have, I want to be working. I have no interest whatsoever in retirement. I once heard Joan Rivers talking about retirement. She was saying, what would I do? Sit on a beach? <laughs> Seriously, I'm not interested in retiring. I want to work till I die. And I hope that I can die. Can I ask you a follow-up question? Because a lot of people listen to this. So you actually came into photography. You didn't take a direct route. You didn't study. You started as a student in high school already, I think. Yes. And, but in some ways, probably because you don't want to retire because you love what you do. Yes. And that is your profession. So in some ways, for you to think, I'm going to stop it, I would stop doing what I love. But for some people, because Caroline and I, we both teach, and I talk to a lot of students who are really thinking, how do I manage to find a life where I can get paid for what I love. And I think a lot of my students have a very hard time. They're spending so much money on college and they have a lot of pressure and they say, can I really afford pursuing a passion? For you, was that, so when you fell into this and then you said, like you said, your regret was not going to Milan, but you worked, worked, worked to get you where you are today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I have to be honest. It's not easy. There's a, there's more and more competition every day, but If you persevere, perseverance is, is nine-tenths of, of what's out there. I had, um, I went to school to be a writer, and I had, um, I don't even remember who the quote is for, was from, but the, uh, the, the gist was, uh, talented people are a dime a dozen. It's the persistent ones that succeed. And you just have to keep on keeping on, keep on doing what you do and believing in yourself and following your vision. And if you have to find a way to finance that here and there, there's all kinds of ways for photographers to make money. Mm -hmm. As long as you have your camera in your hand, it's honorable. As long as you're not hurting anybody else with it, it's honorable. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, just have to make that little qualification, right. but yeah. Um, just, uh, I, I say, I say, follow your heart, you yeah. know, do what you love. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, um, I have, of course, in, in my career thought, Oh God, if I'd only been a baker, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I always come back to this. I always come back to one and I'm always happy that I did. Yeah. I've never strayed far and I've never strayed like literally out the doorstep past this, this house. You know, I, I, I love what I've built and I want to keep building it. And I think your students, you know, that, that, you know, the resource that's in young photographers is amazing and inspiring. I love, I love the opportunity um, when I've been able to teach It's always really inspiring to see what kids are coming up with. Um, I, I have a friend who teaches um, at the Art Center College of Design, and I'll go in and talk with their kids like once a semester. And just the opportunity to have those conversations and see the work they're doing is really, really exciting. Right. Yeah. This is the last official question on the questionnaire. Okay. Um, and it is, what is your motto? Oh, um, it's easy. <laughs> it's from Lillian Hellman. And Lillian Hellman said, 
all artists feel like con artists. Only the hacks are sure of themselves. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Let me hear it again. Wait, I have to think about this. <laughs> you want um, me to say it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I wanna, I'm thinking all about it. Feel like con artists. Only the hacks are sure of themselves. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I love that. I wrote love that, that down during a play. <laughs> I was watching. Yeah. My mom had taken me to a play at ART in Boston. That had, it was a conversation between Lillian Hellman and some young man. And that was one of the lines. And I was like, oh, my God, it's freaking brilliant. So, yeah. yeah. That's beautiful. Well, well yeah. I was going to ask you, in fact, an artist, you know you're an artist. Right. And when, <laughs> at the beginning of this, you said, uh, you know, maybe it was, I can't remember if it was the trait you most deplore in yourself, but the kind of being hard on yourself. And then as a, maybe a corollary to that, putting other people on a pedestal. I wanted to ask you at the time, is the being hard on yourself, though, not part of what it takes to keep pushing yourself as an artist? A hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. 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 Yes. My husband and I always joke that if you sit back, because I, I write and he writes also, and if, if you sit back and say, oh, I nailed it. That's a really great sentence. <laughs> You're guaranteed <laughs> to go back the next day and be like, oh, that's the worst. I have to cut it. Like, or why didn't I cut it? So that, I like feeling like maybe less of a hack if part of the self-criticism is proof that you're you're doing slightly better than um, than hack level work, but that's really that's really a wonderful quotation. So thank you. Maybe my favorite motto we've heard of anyone's at this this far, uh, Uli. Don't you think? Yeah, it's. I know, but I want to have a moment sometimes when I think, okay, this was really good. Can I just have a moment sometimes? <laughs> Seriously, can I? Can I rest? Where are my laurels? Can I please rest on them? Exactly. They're not there. They're just They're not there. Not there. No. We have another. We have another. We one question to this questionnaire, which is: Who would you like to hear as a guest um, on this podcast? Who would you be interested in answering all these questions? Oh God, there's so many people. I would honestly, my friend Angela, Angela McCluskey, would be amazing. Oh yes. Yeah, she'd be fantastic. And maybe Angela and Paul together. Together would be amazing. It would be so much fun. They so would they fun. would be and I can make that happen. Let me know. Oh, if you we'll, want. We'll, oh that would be we'd love Angela and Paul. And I haven't seen them in it's been probably over two years or something, but that would be wonderful. Great. That's a great idea. Oh, that's yeah. great. I've always wanted to do a couples interview also. So that would be really, really fun. And they're hysterical. I'll send you a link to their podcast so you can kind of get a vibe on how they sound together. They're just, they're hysterical. They are. Okay. Um, so, Miranda, we want to thank you so much, really, for, for taking the time. It's really uh, been a pleasure to listen to you. Thank you. It's just, it's really, it's been a joy talking with you guys. Absolutely. And I'm going to remind our listeners so uh, they can find you on Instagram, uh, Miranda Penturin. So it's M-I-R-N-A-D-A. P-E-N-N-T-U-R-I-N. Uh, you can find you on Instagram. Uh, people will check out your work. It's just gorgeous. I really love every picture on what you said earlier about this kind of dearth of powerful images, like that you actually are working to create in the space of one image 
there's so much more room in one small image than people think. There's, a, there's so much more can be put into one image. That's really uh, just such a joy to see. And then the uh, Caroline is Caroline 2020, Caroline Weber at 2020, correct? That's your Instagram? Yeah. But we want to point that out because people can find us and uh, the, the questionnaire itself is post.questionnaire and we'll uh, post this and then hopefully we'll have you back at some other uh, time to talk more about photography and um, also this charity that you're part of, Voices for Freedom, which is Voices, the number for freedom. People, I want people to look at that as well because it's such an important thing. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. It's it's been a uh, such a pleasure talking with you guys. Well, I loved it, and it's it's a treat for me because yeah, never having met you before, this was just such a pleasure. And even on Zoom, which I always find so awkward and frustrating. So really, thank you a million for doing this with us. Thank you so much. Thank you. So yeah. Much. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. More support sometime soon. Yes. <laughs> with or without the baking and the camera and the dog. Yes. yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Take care. All right. Thanks so much. Bye bye. Stay well. Bye. You too.